Are you ready for this podcast, Mark and Ryan? Are you ready for this podcast, Ryan and Mark? If you're ready for this podcast, Ryan and Mark, then let's do it. Music! Pictures podcast where we talk about every movie released by New World Pictures, the greatest movie studio of all time. I'm Ryan. With me as always is Mark. I am here. And Erica. Two, three, four. <laughs> and <laughs> joining us for this episode, we have a very special guest, an old friend. We're so excited. He has a new book out called The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air. He also is the co-host of the Ramones of the Day podcast, Philip Modest. It's joining us on the podcast. Welcome. Philip, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me so late. Oh, (laughs) thank you for for being on here and so late. And in in this remote locale that you are in. Yeah. (laughs) At the moment. Remote, undisclosed location. Um, This is so exciting because, of course, we have somebody here who had a Ramones podcast where you went and talked about every single song that the Ramones ever released. Yeah. Uh, and it's really going to come in handy, I think, for this particular podcast, because we're talking about 1979's Rock and Roll High School. It's 1980. Welcome to Rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll High School? Do you want I am Miss Togar, and I am the new principal of this school. And who are you? I'm Riff Randall, rock and roller. The only girl I ever dream about at night is Riff. I've done more detentions than anyone in the school's history. Are you a virgin? Ah, how about a cheerleader? Nice set of pom-poms. Tom wanted Riff. But Rip wanted to live a rock and roll fantasy to the music of her favorite group. The hottest band this side of the Iron Curtain, the Ramones! You have managed to upset the entire school with this godforsaken noise. Things sure have changed since we got kicked out of high school. They tried to stop their music, but the kids got wrecked and rocked the school. The school where the students rule. 
Could it though? Could it? <laughs> could the Ramones come to our high school? They're wondering in the audience. It could happen. Um, I wonder. I did wonder after watching this, like how many people either a submitted songs to the Ramones or b <laughs> tried to get them to come to their high school. I the, wonder. I don't the know. Only the only one. The only one, and I guess that's why I'm here. Uh, my my sub <laughs> the subtext of me being here is that I'm the actually uh, a few a few people did and most famously is Bruce Springsteen who wrote Hungry Heart for the Ramones and his manager said Are you crazy Don't give that song away and then it was like Bruce's one of his first huge hits Wow and so it's, it's another one of those things the Ramones have a long legacy of like coming really close to big success and either it avoiding them or them just swerving the van into the median and wrecking it. But yeah. So I didn't get invited to their high school. I don't know about that part, but yeah, I just, I got to think there had to be somebody with slightly less renown than Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. A, a, oh, yeah. a Bill Springsteen, if you Bill will, Springsteen. who just kind of put a couple chords together. It's like, I don't know. I feel like the Ramones will like this. I don't know. I'm, just, just I'm sure. I'm sure. But that's great, and I am so happy that you're going to be the actually of this podcast. Oh, that's usually that's usually, that's usually me. So I'm uh, ready. I'm, so I'm happy. Ready. I'm so happy to to have no value on this podcast whatsoever. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, I'm here to um, hijack. This it. movie, of course, was directed by Alan Arkish. He had directed Hollywood Boulevard with Joe Dante. It was his first movie with New World Pictures, and then he helped reshoot Death Sport or Death Sport. Excuse Death Sport. me. Um, and so he directed this with a little help from Joe Dante because Joe Dante did come in um, for a day or so. It's hard to tell which after Arkish had to be hospitalized for exhaustion. <laughs> the story is by Arkish. Wait, and- he had to be hospitalized for exhaustion from filming Rock and Roll High School? Yes. Correct. Yes, correct. God, are you sure? Yeah. That is, this is after they'd shot the Ramones concert, uh, in, oh. in which, which lasted 22 hours straight God. of shooting. Well, it, it lasted 22 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A minute for every hour. So the story's by Arkish and Dante uh, and written by Deep Breath. Joseph McBride, Richard Whitley, and Russ Devonch. Russ Devonch was a New World staffer who also played the freshman student who keeps getting locked in all the Aww. different parts Aww. of the school and the drawers and the lockers. Um, stars uh, PJ Souls. She's one year removed here from Halloween, three years removed from Carrie, and she's freshly uh, married to Dennis Quaid. What? Uh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Wow. That wow. kind of surprised me, too. Although... Huh. I guess at that point, I mean, Dennis Quaid wasn't arguably at that point. PJ Souls was the bigger star of the two, Correct. right? Correct. Yeah. They would yeah. eventually be together on Breaking Away, but that would be post this movie oh, in the really? early 80s. Hmm. And that was one of the early starts of Dennis Quaid. Hmm. One of his early so Dennis, breaks. Dennis Quaid married a high school per, a, a woman <laughs> in high school? Like, I mean, an accomplished was, songwriter I mean, from high school. Uh, he, yeah. married a, he married a rock and roller, Mark. She's, roller. she's an honorary Ramon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I just aren't there leg- some legalities that he had. To fa- I don't know. Maybe think- yeah. times were different in 1979. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I Mark is the only one fooled that PJ Souls was uh, older than high school age. He was actually 28 at the time of filming. Wait, what? <laughs> I can't tell sometimes in old movies like that where. Is it that they're old or is it just like olden times when everyone looked 50? 
Mm. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like mm-hmm. all right. high school students right. look 30. And yeah. And if you have Clint Howard, who's also in this movie, playing uh, a high school student, it's like, how old is everybody here? I, I mean, I'm guessing they all look kind of old. They're I all qu- pretty old looking. I would question, just given the text, the only thing that says he's in high school is that his business is in a high school. <laughs> He I, never, thank you. Right. He right. never goes to class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He yeah. never goes to class. I, it seems like he employs an adult woman right. outside. Yeah. So I was kind of like, he might be like at least college age, but didn't go to college. I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a question that the movie will not answer, like many questions that we might have that <laughs> um, it does not answer. Now, going back to PJ Souls, she, uh, Corman did not want to cast her because. Her agent, because she was coming off of Halloween, was asking for a little more than scale for salary, and Corman was not having that. But what they did is they told him that uh, what was important to PJ Souls was her own uh, clothing, was her clothing for the character, and she was going to go out and buy her own clothing so they would save money on wardrobe for her, so they would split even on that, and they would pay her her, her wage. So. He Smart. was. He then bought in on having PJ Souls, and and honestly, I do think that was a great decision on his part to finally acquiesce to that. Yeah. We also have Timothy Van Patten as Tom Roberts, who was, he was also a tennis pro at the time. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't and as that. I said, uh, Clint Howard as Eagle Bauer. He was also in New Worlds. I never promised you a Rose Garden, Grand Theft Auto, and of course we're st- we have starring the Ramones. Yay, the Ramones! Yes. If you didn't know this, the the movie is, is, seems like it's at least ninety nine percent Ramones. It seems like it. <laughs> yeah. even in this, even in the halls of this place called Vince Lombardi High, where they <laughs> right, do not right. th- like the principal does not tolerate rock music or anything. Even I notice even on the doors are like Ramones posters. Yes. Right. Yeah. They're like, yeah. Yeah. Like, right. We don't need that rock and roll in here. Now put that poster on the English classroom door. <laughs> um, here's where to watch it. We You can watch it on Shout TV. It's on Peacock, Tubi. We watch the Shout Factory DVD. There's plenty of places you can watch Rock and Roll High School. It's Rock and Roll High School. There's plenty of places to see it. I also want to do a quick shout out for the poster. It's drawn with all the characters in it. If, if it looks like, oh, that that poster looks exactly like Animal, Animal House. <laughs> That's exactly what Corman was yeah. trying to do. He said, draw me a poster that looks like Animal House. And that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like a high school Animal House. So well done. But uh, before we go further and find out what this movie's about, we got to ask you, Phil. We always have our guests pick the movie. Mm-hmm. You chose Rock and Roll High School. Why Rock and Roll High School? Oh, you know. No. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I Never seen it, wasn't interested, thought, what the heck? I'd always meant to, and I like to discover things in real time while being recorded with friends. Um, no, I'm watching uh, it at this moment. <laughs> shush, shush, shush. You keep playing those clips and it's interrupting me. Um, no, I, I had seen it. I, I Obviously, I'm a, I'm, I have Ramon's qualifications. Um, mm-hmm, I've, mm-hmm. I've probably... We wondered sometimes if we have discussed their music or lives or books more than they did. And it, sometimes <laughs> it felt like we did. Um, we did over like 180 episodes. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, wow. But all that being said, I, I, did legit, I do legitimately like the Ramones. I do legitimately love this movie. Um, it's, it is sort of an acquired taste in a way. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, we'll get into that later but there is something i've even seen it uh i mean i my wife showed it to me first 
she i i grew up in sort of not like a sheltered place but just like a a little nothing town in illinois that Mm -hmm. uh we didn't have much cable like you know you just you got espn disney channel tbs and it was kind of it but she grew up with MTV and with uh, Showtime, that sort of stuff. So she saw all these things. So then when we started going out, she would basically expose me to more things. She was the one who showed me Rock and Roll High School. I'm like, oh, yeah. And I liked that it basically featured the Ramones a lot, which is kind of funny in itself. Um, and then all the way down to like, I, too, have the the DVD of it and have watched it several times. And I even got to see it, uh, I guess it's like, four or five years ago um, at uh, the Hollywood forever cemetery. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, Linda Ramone, uh, Johnny's widow, I guess mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. does an event every year um, and they'll normally show a movie. And oftentimes it's rock and roll high school paired with something else um, sure. for like, uh, you know, generating money for uh, cancer research and stuff. But, um, but it's fine. Ramon is Johnny Ramon is buried at Hollywood forever. Cemetery. Yes. As is Didi. Yes. Quite a, quite a bust for Johnny <laughs> Ramon there at, yeah. at his grave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a terrific. It looks, oh. I mean, it's him playing guitar, sure. you know? Yes, it it's is pretty awesome. Absolutely. You know? I kind of, I'm not going to lie. I kind of want one for mine. <laughs> now I'm thinking, I like, hope it's exactly. Does anyone go, wow, a, that this Ryan guy certainly seems like he was into guitar. That would be incredible <laughs> if it was exactly I mean, <laughs> like that, except with your head. Like yeah. down to the leather jacket and the yeah, detail, ja- the wow. most right guitar, everything. You'd be like, wow, that, that Ryan guy's really into the Ramones and also playing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that mine is just me dusting a synthesizer. <laughs> Here lies Mark. One day I'll play this. <laughs> These are good ideas. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't think I don't know if I succinctly answered your question at all. But I, yeah, I, I've always had a uh, an affinity for the Ramones, and so when when I saw this had not been claimed, I'm like, I refuse to not be part of this. <laughs> like, if not, if I haven't proven that I'd be invested with this, I don't know what to do. If we're like, thank you, but well, we're gonna have someone else on to talk about yeah, somebody it. who's yeah. dedicated, <laughs> who's really into the Ramones. I'm not yeah, sure. you know, somebody who knows it. <laughs> There's somebody who did 190 episodes of our podcast. So that, that really went for it. I mean, really went for it. I mean, to, for, for most of the time when we're asked this question, the answer is I liked the poster art. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I do like the poster art. I do like the poster art. Uh, so let's get into what this movie is about before we go further. Uh, let's go around. Starting with Mark. What's this movie about, Mark? It's about rock and roll high school. <laughs> I thought that was obvious. Oh, no. <laughs> that Erica, is a... going to say? He's taking your thing. That is a, uh, that is a very Ramones-A answer where, yeah. you know, uh-huh. they'd say, like, this next song is called... I want. I don't want to go down the basement, and the lyrics are, "I don't want to go down the basement." Like, they're, they're, what, are, what are you asking me questions for? I'm keeping score, Mark. That's one for you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that we're keeping score. We have not introduced that element in the show, and it's and it's about time. We've How are you going to win? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's stupid. Uh, Phil, Philip, what is this movie about? 
Um, yeah, I, I second sort of what Mark said, um, but I would go further and say it's a propaganda film for an alternate universe where the Ramones were not only accepted, but super popular and beloved. <laughs> hmm. That seems like a couple points to fill up. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Erica, yeah. Erica, what is this movie about? I mean, they're both right, but we all really know this movie is about how easy it is to hack into a PA system at a high school in the 1980s. <laughs> Super easy. It actually doesn't seem that easy because there's a there's apparently 50 wires coming out of each. Yeah. You just have to find the two of the red yep. and white ones. That's mm-hmm. simple. To just mm-hmm. and just and just rub those together and yeah. twine and, intertwine mm-hmm. them. And she yeah. was a scientist. Yeah. yeah. So right. I mean, she got a leg right. up on most of us, probably. Uh, I agree with all these too, but I have to say, uh, I thought this movie was about uh, if you hide inside a large laundry basket, you can survive a two-story fall <laughs> as long as you cover the top with a board. Yeah, that's it. That's all you got to do. In the 1980s. In the, well, in the 70s, in the late yeah. 70s. Well, then they, yeah, also, that's all you they need. also prayed. They maybe yeah. maybe oh, if they maybe if they hadn't prayed prayer. they'd be dead. Wow. That's so yeah. true. That's Oof. so true. I I know uh, every part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you're here, oh, Philip. Oh God, this is so good. We missed those I'm subtleties. Really gonna take a, I'm going to take a back seat. Uh, I just hope I I score well by the end. Um, let's go to quickly to the letterbox synopsis. We're on letterbox. Follow us there. Give us a follow. We'll follow you back. This is what they say, and usually they're—you uh, never know with letterbox synopsis. They could be—they could go anyway. But this one seems pretty, pretty solid. A group of rock music-loving students, with the help of the Ramones, take—not oh, sure about that part—take <laughs> take over their school to combat its mm-hmm. newly installed oppressive administration. I'm not sure the Ramones did much in the way of helping. <laughs> they did show up, and they did do a, a hall concert. But I'm not sure they did a lot. I feel, and I feel like they also took it over before the Ramones even showed up. Right. I guess if you were gonna, I mean, obviously they're selling it. Everything is selling it on the Ramones, which is a which is a dubious sales technique. Yeah. Historically speaking, yes. historically speaking, they did not sell. They didn't have a Midas touch with that sort of stuff. But you would almost ar- <laughs> you would almost argue that if they had not existed, then Riff Randall would not have. I'll explain it to you this way. If Batman did not exist, then the Joker would not feel inspired to do his nefarious deeds. And therefore, in this analogy, the Ramones are Batman and Riff Randall is the Joker. That's airtight. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. Yeah. Without the Ramones, would Riff have overthrown this oppressive administration? It's escalation. We don't know. Um- I mean, she. I mean, uh, she did fantasize about having them in the shower with her. Yeah. I mean, that just gave one, her, just one, just one, one yeah. at a time. The other ones were around her bedroom <laughs> and various other places. Yeah. Uh, now I gotta ask. And obviously, this is not the first time watch for uh, Philip, as he's mentioned. Was this a first time watch for you guys, Mark, Erica? Was this a first time watch for you? Yes, it was. First time watch for, for Erica. Me. Yeah. Mark, was this yeah. a first time watch? First time watch. First time I'd watch. This is not a first time watch for me. I I saw this when I was a teenager, when I was, uh, I guess, at an appropriate age. Obviously, this is in the uh, in the world of home video. And I went over to a friend's house, a bunch of people, and we all watched Ro- Rock and Roll High School. And I felt like, wow, they have their own movie. And it painted them to me as like a fairly commercial band. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I guess they got their own movie. They're totally big time hotshots without really know. I mean, 
I didn't know the history. I didn't understand like at the time this movie was made, the Ramones were actually not that popular. So, but that's how it introduced the Ramones to me. It kind of made me feel like, oh, I guess everyone loves the Ramones and they're just a band that everybody loves and they got their own movie. It's propaganda. Like, you know, like, like the Kiss, like Kiss had like, you know, uh, their their movie, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I was just like, oh, this is just like when bands get super popular, they just get their own movie. Around the same time, you would have had Kiss, uh, the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton. Yeah. Um, and a couple years you have Prince. Yeah, so true. it is crazy to think. And I mean, that's a that's a lousy list. It's not comprehensive, but it's crazy to think that it was right. like, oh, yeah. And the Ramones, like all those guys hang out at the same. <laughs> <laughs> we made a movie together right. club. Yeah, right. And the and the Beatles and, and the Beatles just like, you know, Elvis yeah. made a ton. Yeah, right. Exactly. So like they just all hang out at musical people that get in right. movies island. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, they really got to rework that island no, that's name. Just the name. That's their name. I didn't come up with it. I'm just repeating it. it. They came up with the name. They made it after they made it after like one Sinatra movie and they're like, we're not going to make a bunch of these. We don't need to worry about the name. And then the next thing they know, they're like, oh, my God, we're so deep. <laughs> they're on all these cups. It's all printed on the cups, the napkins. Oh, no. Oh crap! Oh, we can't go oh. back. That logo does look oh. great, though. We worked really. And everyone's really... here. I didn't think everyone's... everyone would all show up. Who put <laughs> Frampton in charge of branding? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Um, I will say this. Um, this movie is the most New World movie to ever New World. Uh, <laughs> I mean, go we've on. got. We've got Arkish, we've got Dante, who both they both started out as uh, trailer editors for New World Pictures before they started directing their own movies. Mary Warrenoff plays Principal Togar, who had been in a bunch of things uh, for New World, including Death Race 2000. Paul Bartel, who directed Death Race 2000, who was in Piranha uh, leading up to this movie, he'd done a ton of things for New World. He plays music teacher Mr. McGree. We got the real Don Steele, oh. also from uh, you know fantastic Death Race two thousand. Death Race two thousand. You can't have enough real Don Steele, no matter Cannot. what. In anything. Uh, it, it, Dick Miller is in it. It also, I mean, it has a New World Picture on the title card in the very mm-hmm. opening of the mm-hmm. movie. It's like, and yet it's also such a rarity in early New World movies in the Corman era because Corman never did movies like this. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy that Corman did a movie with the Ramones. It's like, it, this wor- feels so New World and also not New World. It's a, it, it, I agree. Um, I have not studied New World nearly as much as, as you have and will, but I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a threat. That came out really obvious. This, this is coming from somebody who's done 180 episodes. Hey, <laughs> like, oh, you will. Oh, you you're will. going to. Um, <laughs> you're going deep, guys. But I, I, was thinking, I was thinking about it because around this period for the Ramones, uh, they're between their fourth and fifth albums. And the fifth one is the one that they're going to make with Phil Spector. It's like right after they do this, they make Phil Spector's the Phil Spector album. And it's considered like the fourth one. They were trying to do like kind of a bigger, like a sound a little more commercial. You know, there's like, there's some acoustic guitar in this, you guys. Um, and then and that's the next, road to ruin. Yes. That's road to ruin. Yeah. And it has, I want to be sedated on it. So I mean like, it's like it's the song that launched the Go Go's. You know, it mm-hmm. sounds mm-hmm. a lot of it sounds great. 
mm-hmm. the next one is like an obvious like commercial attempt. But I was thinking about this movie and how odd it is that it's odd that they're in it and that and I don't know what this says about them exactly, but this is probably the best version of a commercialization of the Ramones that we were ever going to get, you know, like they do their thing, but like they don't talk about sniffing glue. Like there's not, there's not a lot of questionable like lyrics about, you know, too much disturbing stuff. It's like, they don't sing about heroin addiction. Like they're going to do, you know, it's like (laughs) they blow up a school. It's like, which back then went something else. Um, And it, and like, I was just thinking about how like, wow, I think this is the, like they tried to do it for all these albums. And I was like, what did it was this movie, which was an odd success in that, in whatever effort they were trying to do. Um, yeah. But like you say, yeah. it is weird that they're on it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course they're on this movie because, because for very Corman reasons, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is that they were mm-hmm. the cheapest act yes. that they could yeah. get to agree <laughs> Because Do you have the list? Do you have the list of who they asked? Originally, they had set this up for Todd Rundgren. Mm-hmm. And Rod, Todd Rundgren wanted a little bit more of a serious movie, uh, much like the 1968 British school drama If, which is about kids who you know take over the school with like guns and stuff. Least, By the way, least Googleable title. I, <laughs> yes, I tried to yeah, look it up. Yes, and I was like, oh, my yes. God, I'm putting in all these like. Yes, this. this. <laughs> um, so, so then they went to like Cheap Trick, and Cheap Trick read the script and they liked it, and they were like, "Yeah, let's just let's do it," and they would do it for fifty thousand dollars. Not mm-hmm. cheap, not cheap, Cheap Trick. No, not so um, Cheap Trick. The the record label then suggested, "Hey, what about the the Ramones?" So Arkish was a fan of theirs or liked their music, but he never yeah. seen them live. He went to see them live. He was like, "Okay, I love their energy. These guys are great." And so, uh, and they said they would do this for a flat fee of $25,000. Flat fee, music, their appearance, everything. That's it. Did so, they have to bring their own clothes? <laughs> I believe so. I don't I think would, that that was. I would I, almost guarantee that <laughs> even if you told them we have costumes for them, they probably <laughs> forgot. There's a good chance they were like, yeah, whatever. They were like, sorry, yeah. we just don't have jeans skinny enough. <laughs> You're going to have to bring your own skinny jeans. Yeah, we uh, unfortunately, our shirt cover your entire belly, Joey. So I don't know oh, if you're yeah. going to be in favor of that. Um, so they presented both of these options to Roger Corman and said, cheap trick, they're 50,000. The Ramones, they're 25. And it was a no contest. The Ramones it is for the band in this movie. In fact, a lot of the movie was written without them just calling them the band. Because they didn't know who they were going to get. Wow. Wow. So, um, but they went with the Ramones. That's how that all worked out. Wow. Imagine if another band would have been like 24. (laughs) 24,000. Like, imagine if like D-Light was like. (laughs) D-Light. So they'd come from the future. Well, I thought you were going to say. Groove in the Groove in the Heart just opened up a portal. Yeah. And they Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait that a minute. That is pretty funky. <laughs> Hold on, but name another D-Light song. Oh shit. No, I did Uh-oh, is I'm going to lose points from this, aren't I, Phil? Like? I, I, I don't I could have if I hadn't been put on the spot. Uh, I was gonna, just, I was going to say to that point, it is weird and I don't know if it's just because of, you know, you just... So they didn't have D-Light? Well, no, well, now I can't stop thinking about it. Um, no, it's weird to try to think... It's weird to try to think of another band in 
this. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I am not a cheap trick fan. I, they're fine. I know some people who are, but I also, I couldn't see anybody writing to that joke style. Like sure. there's, yeah. there's sure. something inherently funny about a movie that a is like, these guys are the most pot. Like there's a part where they're like, that's the new Ramones number one with a bullet. And like, they never got close to the number. Like never, ever. Right, like right. Joey's kind of cute. It's like, right. Oh boy. I don't know about that. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then even to the point that Dick Miller gets like my favorite line where he says, those Ramones are ugly, ugly, right. ugly people. He says it. It's funny. And it's funny that the band was like, cool. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like no one's going to do that. That wasn't even in the script. That was an improvised line by Dick oh, Miller. Oh, then, then even better. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Dick Miller living up to his name. Yeah, yeah, Dick Miller just throwing some shade. Jesus. <laughs> They're like, what's the line? Dick's like, what's the... Dick, the line is, I love the remote. He's like, They're just ugly, ugly. Jesus. Man. Ugly people. He's like, you want to know here. why? I've done because, a thousand movies. I'm out. Well, that's because Dick was really hoping that D-Light was going to be the band. That <laughs> right. He was very excited. really disappointed when it was. feel like future me is going to love D-Light. <laughs> Dick Miller's got a groove in the heart. And he did. <laughs> and I'm sure he did. I'm, not, I'm 100% sure. But I think that also explains why the why the movie is, you know, the, the principal and everybody's so upset about rock and roll, which is painting a really broad brush of like, the music that they're so offended by. Mm-hmm. And it also felt like, is this 1949 or 1979 <laughs> where right, rock right. and roll is what's going to ruin the youth of today. It felt a little out of place. You know, that's, I, I agree. I think it's written like it, like to be a 1950s, you know, rock and roll movie, like almost like yeah. an old, you know, like, I, I don't know, some old, like, Clam bake is the only thing that's coming to my mind. Like an old Elvis movie. Yeah, an old Elvis movie. Um, <laughs> clam bake? Yeah. Yeah, clam bake. I don't know. <clears throat> Y'all know clam bake? Yeah. It's the only thing that's coming to me. I don't know why, but. Oh, or Elvis, Elvis uh, invades a oh, clam God. shack and they blow up the clam shack because the <laughs> salty businessman doesn't like rock and roll music. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm just saying it it's written definitely in that style of like an old 1950s right. uh, movie and not, by the way clam Bay came out in 1967 okay so just everyone relax it's a real film <laughs> that was delight and clam bake <laughs> they yeah. were really good were they, good? they were really good <laughs> Good. That's the other song. I'm sorry. Clam Bake's the other song from D-Light. Do I get points? Clam Bake on your plate. Clam Bake on your plate. It's very much in the same It's the same melody as Groove is in the Heart. Exact same melody. They just gave it a new name. That's the only song they have. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> Moving forward, I wanted to ask you, Phil, because the very first song is uh, that's played in this movie is played by Riff uh, over the loudspeaker, as we talked about, is Sheena yeah. is a Punk Rocker. Tell us about that song, Phil. Okay. What do we need to know about Sheena is a Punk Rocker? Uh, Sheena is a Punk Rocker was one of their uh, higher hits. Um, it's also sort of notorious because it came out, I think, in 1977, and it has the word punk in it, and just after it got out is when the Sex Pistols kind of exploded. And because it had the word punk in it, radio stations were like, ooh, we don't want to encourage that. So they just like tanked it. So this kind yeah. of innocuous, not innocuous, but I mean, like it's like a surf song. Just mm-hmm. was like, oh, mm-hmm. they're going to come and throw up all over us. 
Um, it's written about either a tribute to uh, it's like Sheena, the jungle queen from um, from comic books, or there was a DJ whose name was Sheena that they also uh, liked um, that they called that. Um, I could go on and on, but or you could check out us talking about it for 40 minutes. that's fine that's perfect i don't need you to recount the whole episode at minute three (laughs) we will just splice in the 40 minutes right here (laughs) (laughs) i'm just curious because it is the first song that's played yeah and this is the thing about like again my first impression of this movie because i was thinking back then uh teenage me going the Ramones were supposedly this very punk rock band, mm-hmm. but then they have their own movie, which to me sort of illegitimized them to me. Like, sure. well, you can't be a punk rock band and have a movie. That just seems like I'm right, like, right. I'm damning all bands to like, right, you can't right. at all have success. Right. You, that means you're fake. Like it's, that's not, that's obviously a teenage way of viewing things. Well, but. And you're also, but you're not wrong even in the context of them because like, I always think of it's what is it? There's like four of them where it's Blondie, Talking Heads, the Ramones, and I think it's television or something like the CBGB group, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, There's sure. like only one of those bands sounds like what you would later think of as quote punk rock, and that's the Ramones. Right, right. And so even starting then, like they consider themselves a rock and roll band. They just they sounded like that, and then later, yeah. then that idea of like you know you can't sell out. It was like. These guys tried so this is one of the things that's hilarious to me about the Ramones. They tried so hard to sell out. Like they, <laughs> yes. they yeah. would have killed to do it, but it was like <laughs> write a catchy song, you know, that will play in the airwaves. You're like, you got it. It's called Carbona Not Glue. It was like, yeah. what? No. And like they just they could not do it. They came they came darn close with that pet cemetery soundtrack. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I agree, uh, Ryan. I, I, to me, the Ramones were Casey Kasem's punk rock band. <laughs> mm. Like, yeah. to me, I, it, like, they were always, like, a little too commercial. And I think because they had a movie, which I never saw, but I knew that they had this movie. And then they did that song for Pet Cemetery, And I was like, oh, boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so... It was hard for me to ever really think of them as punk rock in relation to the punk bands that I right. actually listened to at that the, time. The legacy, like the truest legacy of them, I feel, is that they showed bands who followed them how to do those things. So, like, I mean, directly The Clash, there's some awesome story where, like, the first time they go to England, the 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 people who would become The Clash, literally Joe Strummer and them are there, and they're like, you know, we're in a band, but, you know, we haven't had any shows yet. And Johnny's like, wait, do you see us? We stink. Just get up there and play. And like, <laughs> and like, that's, that's their legacy, not necessarily the success or, you know, what they became as for punk rock. So I feel like, yeah. I feel like to your point, Mark, that like that within three years, what was punk was not exactly them. But they weren't successful enough to be a commercial band. Right, right. It's like they were just not successful enough to not, they couldn't sell out. So they were (laughs) not sellouts. But they sold out just enough that the real punk rock people were like, sell out. (laughs) Right, right, right. They were stuck somewhere in the middle. Yes, you could still be like, you're not the cramps. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. (laughs) But like surrounding them, like, so they're such a big part of this movie. 
And then kind of like the bow on the wrapping paper of this movie is it's also a very horny movie uh, <laughs> yes. at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Like, like there's a lot, like, people are doing a lot of close talking, which really bothers me. And everyone, like when they're not going to see the Ramones, they are trying to bone. And that's yep. pretty much this movie. It's Ramones or Bones. they should have made a song called that (laughs) that's the exploitation element of this this is put out by one of the biggest exploitation production companies and and distribution companies of that time and they had to have just you know exploitation elements so that's why i think they're going for that but but amazingly as much as this is such a new world movie it actually had some nudity in a scene that they cut out. Yeah. So they actually cut out the scene with actually with any nudity in it. And of course, Roger wanted way more of that kind of thing in the movie and didn't and didn't get it. So it's it's got Did this it get funny... cut out because it was just Clint Howard's nudity. Is that why? <laughs> and they were like, we're not sure if he's a high school student. If he's not, I don't know. Check the script. There's it. nothing in it. It doesn't. He just stripped down during a monologue. Yeah, it wasn't it was an, an original like script or something? One of the germs of the idea for this movie was something like girls' gym. Yeah, right. Yes. I mean, like, mm-hmm. kind of says it all. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a miracle that there isn't like literal just boob shots. Yeah. 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 In fact, considering so many of the movies that we've watched so far for New World Pictures are literally have literally have scenes where I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, And there's even a scene where they're all in the like bubbles and foam. And yet there's there's no nudity in that (laughs) section. It was it was almost like refreshing. It was like, this is wow. I'm surprised they didn't go there. I mean, they Mm -hmm. even opened up a scenario wherein it could have absolutely have happened. Right. And yet it didn't. I mean, in this <laughs> in this scenario, it's like they were like, nah, not this one. It's amazing. You also, br- you also mm-hmm. bring up a really interesting scenario in that in the heat of destroying your high school, you gather up all your friends and say, hey, 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 hey we're going to I just filled this room with bubbles. <laughs> right. Let's strip down naked right. and let's just go hang out in them for a little while. I know that we're going to blow up the school. I got that. Got that. But before we do that, can we go <laughs> hang in the bubbles for a little while? It's it's going to sound pretentious, but it is kind of like there's a sweetness to it where like yeah. it's it's what it's what would eventually become Bart Simpson. You know, like he didn't he didn't do like maliciously mean things all the time he did pranks and like these right. feel more akin to pranks than mm-hmm. like we're gonna blow up the school and we're gonna do it in the shower all the time <laughs> you know like you're like wow you know there's one line the ones are climax and the others is eh, another climax um but let's let's go back to playing sheena's the punk rocker on the sound system because here we have the introduction of Miss Togar, who is actually telling him to, who is snipping the wire to have him stop playing the Ramones over the over the loudspeaker. Now, this is of course supposed to tell us that Miss Togar is a very evil principal, but I mean, even the nicest principal is probably going to be like, guys, uh, you can't, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. can't fray the wires and try to play <laughs> the record player that you've stolen from the music teacher. She was within her classroom. right. She was within her right. So we're starting the movie, and we're supposed to be like. Oh, this old, you know, B. And I'm like, kind of on her side here. <laughs> kind of on the principal right, side, right, guys. Right. I mean, this is, I feel like, I guess I'm showing you my age, but I was like. No, we I absolutely mean, are. In any school, they're going to be like, you can't, 
interrupt the school day to just play any music, no matter what it is, and and, and you know hack your way into the school system. Am I wrong? No. no once not. you open up that can of worms, everything you lose all control. So she did. I I, I do agree with you. I would note that. Our control group for, you know, this survey is four people who watch movies and listen to music and then podcast about it. So we might not be <laughs> the widest group <laughs> sample size. Right. right. Uh, but well, yeah, I don't I agree. know, Philip, because Ryan is a bad boy. Does that count for anything? <laughs> oh, so okay. that... oh, well, yeah. I, then, then, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no. All right. Okay. You hear my pen clicking. I'm going to <laughs> Writing this down, making notes. I just want to make sure that you know that that's noted. I just uh, I just saw that I was on Miss Togar's side, which I do recall. You know her character from watching when I was a teenager, and I was like, I'm on the side of the principal. Who am I now? Who am I? (laughs) Yeah, right. Who have I become? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. later on when she starts taking uh, away concert tickets and so on and mm-hmm. dangling mice from their tails, I was like, OK, I'm getting it. But, you know, at that point, I'm on her side. Right. Then uh, we 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 transition very quickly to a scene that I want to talk about, which is that big bathroom scene, the boys bathroom smoking in the boys mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we meet Eagle Bauer. How old do you think Clint Howard is at this point? At this point, like e- Eagle Bauer or Are, Clint Howard? Yeah, well, it's a good point. Let's answer both, but we'll start with Clint Howard. How old do you think Clint Howard Clint Howard is now? Like I'm, in this, when this is, when this, uh, when I'm they gonna, shot this I'm going to guess 26. Hmm. Mark? I'm going to guess 23. Hmm. Okay. Erica? Yeah, I think late 20s, 26, 28 age range. Okay. So Clint Howard is born in 1959. This movie mm-hmm. comes out in 1979, but was shot in 78. So he was 19? So he's 19 years old when he oh, shoots this movie. Oh, my God. Oh. Mark won by default. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he's just Mark. one of those people that just looks. Yeah. Like, he's, I mean, he was probably one of those babies that looks like, when you look at the baby, and you're like, oh, my God, sure. he's so cute. He looks like a little old man. Well, he did. <laughs> he legitimately played a little baby that had an old man's voice on an episode of the original Star Trek. I mean, that's legitimately <laughs> one of his earliest roles. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love the idea of them writing the script of like, this is going to be impossible. Who are we going to get to play this baby? And you're like, you're not going to believe what I found today. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the, the character is Baylock, by the way. Um, the character in Star Trek. He's Dragon a bad boy, series. folks. He's a bad boy. Bad boy. Another another childhood memory replaced <laughs> by, <laughs> by by Clint Howard, <laughs> factoid. And I don't even like Star Trek that much. Yeah, but it's there. But there it is. But he hates childhood memories. So. <laughs> but I hate thinking about my kids and how they've grown yeah. up. Yes. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Now, how old do we think the, the character of Eagle Bauer is? Because I, I I found him one of the more delightful characters and also one of the more confounding characters in this film. But how old do you think he is, Erica? I don't know anymore. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> I just how how old is Clint Howard now? A thousand? I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but I just think that he should be very old at this point. Well, I thought okay, so I 
now thinking about it, I, I was very confused the entire movie about Eagle Bauer. Like, is he a student? Is he not? Mm-hmm. But I think I finally reconciled it by thinking he's, oh, he's one of those like 80s characters who's just like the very formal student, who's like the very grown up, like mm-hmm. business, businessman student. The proto very... Michael P. Keaton type. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I thought that he was a student. He just had this side hustle. You right. Know? So, right. I mean, I thought he was like teenaged, high school aged. Mark, Philip? I, I, I honestly, he could have been uh, 28, uh, 41. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's. His office, he- his office is not uh, an office that would be designed by a teenager at mm. all. Right, uh, right. That there takes maturity. There takes some some life lessons, some travel that goes into putting together a, a basically a, a toilet stall office with that kind of rich detail. Philip, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. <laughs> okay, I'm. Uh, I lost points on that. All right. Okay, I'm gonna I'm, write that I, down. Honestly, honestly, I'm with you, Mark, and I'm just going. Yeah, I. I don't know. I. I don't even. I'm hoping somebody. There's can, no. I don't know. There's don't no know. wrong answers, so I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, there's no wrong answer. I'm going to say. Get a point. I'm going to say 11 years old. <laughs> it's probably. It could be true. It could be true. <laughs> um. I, uh, I, my guess is. Well, was if you got a he, point for that one, yeah. you earned a point for that one. Give <laughs> yourself a point. Uh, I don't know who's in the lead, but. Uh, uh, so far, Mark, Mark and I are tied at three. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Okay, good. All right, all right. I'm so good. Very good. I'm so glad someone's going to win this episode. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> Somebody won an episode. Uh, I was just thought he was like one of those guys like um, Matthew McConaughey and yeah. uh, Days and Confused. It yeah. just like hung around the school too long and he right. was just. It doesn't make it clear he's never really in a classroom. I, you know, I just didn't couldn't figure it all out. But yeah, he right. seemed to have the school locked down. I love the idea of a guy who could get you anything you wanted, like you got him his first touchdown. <laughs> but that that sort of thing kind of and it kind of goes away as the movie comes on and becomes a mm-hmm. buddy. But uh, I love that idea. I love that that first scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eagle Bauer devotes a lot of time to one customer. Which is he does just like yeah, movie yeah. movie stuff, but yeah, I do like I I think I prefer the idea of him as like he's the he's the what's that character from Pulp Fiction, the Wolf of uh, Vince yeah. Lombardi High, where like he solves problems, he takes care of everything mm-hmm. for everybody. But now that we understand why there's such a long line to get into yeah, his right. office, of because of he course. spends such a long amount of time, <laughs> he's out again, thorough, and he's also allows certain people to skip. So it's like, that's the bummer. So yeah. you're all just waiting to get in. Certain people skip somehow. And then high he school. spends an that's extensive amount of time. <laughs> that's high school? Yeah, that's high school mm-hmm. rules. That's true. That's true. Uh, okay. Riff takes over the gym class and plays her rendition of Rock and Roll High School. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This song, of course, was written for the movie. What can Part you tell the- us about this song? I can tell you a couple things about this song. Uh, yeah, it was it was written uh, for the movie. Part of that flat fee. Um, it actually, a lot of it very strongly resembles Sheena is a punk rocker. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Ramones did did a thing. If especially if you spend wait uh, wait uh, a Ramones song uh, sounds like another Ramones yeah, song. Let, let me finish. <laughs> You're blowing my mind here. <laughs> uh, they they would do a thing, and I don't know how consciously or not, but like just in in the fact of changing the intro it 
would trick at least me to think of it as a different song. So like Sheena starts right out of the gate with guitars. Rock and roll high school starts with drums. So you're like, Oh, it's different. <laughs> um, I know that, uh, I know that really her, mixing it up. So her version that she sings, they were originally going to take the Ramones version, just, you know, drop the vocals, and have PJ do it, but they wanted it in a different key because she like, she sang it differently. And so, uh, the engineer, Ed Stasium, who's like royalty for the Ramones, right? Uh, this engineer who just kind of like got him said, okay, we'll just uh, modulate a little and we'll change the key. And they're like, what are you talking about? And like, they could not make the change of like, well, if it's C and F here, then it's D and G here or something like, I don't know what you're talking about. So what he did was <laughs> he sent them out to lunch. He took Marky's drum uh, bit and then he just did the bass and guitar himself so like her version oh, wow. is like yeah 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 it's yours it was like nah I, God, I can't they can't figure this out it's I, I can't <laughs> believe they got dressed in the morning sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like that you said that she sang because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is, by the way, also the one of the uh, biggest, the, the biggest scene that Alan Arkish was not there for. This is the day he was sent to the hospital. Yeah. And he was exhausted was the scene where she takes over and she does the song. And, and of course, uh, PJ Souls was really bummed out because she was like, this is my big moment where I'm going to sing rock and roll high school. Again, sing is, you know, she's going <laughs> to. Loose, I mean, loose term. Did loose. Joey sing it? I don't know. We could have a lot of debates yeah. there. You know what I mean? We all have better, you know. better. <laughs> okay, okay. But anyway, this was the day that she was excited, and then um, Arcus had to had to go, and so yeah. Joe Dante directed it. But uh, but you don't ever notice. It's a fun little scene. I thought that was yeah. a fun scene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everyone agrees. I got a point to me. <laughs> well, it's the first. It's <laughs> the first the time. It's the first time that you realize you're watching a musical. Yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good, uh, damn it, Mark gets another Shit. point. God Mark damn it! <laughs> Just when I thought head. I was getting a point, Brian. Don't worry, I don't think I have any points. You have one point, Erica. <laughs> what? It's, it's for what? Four, it's for uh, delight. For my delight reference. It was for delight. Now that I think about it, even that opening song. <laughs> let's bring her up to two. Oh, <laughs> Eric and Ryland right. both have both have two. Uh, I have three, and Mark has four. So that's where we are. We'll be back points, after I'm this. I'm winning points, 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 points. I'm winning points, points. Erica, points. Uh, welcome back from the break. <laughs> I'd like to switch gears really quick and ask a question. Okay, uh, oh, and gosh. that is uh, we have time for two guys. When the principal <laughs> is demonstrating the effect of rock and roll on the mice. Yes. And she has her rockometer. The rockometer. Yeah. The rockometer. <laughs> or, uh, you, you know. That you wasn't your question. Way. <laughs> that was not my question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. you uh, <laughs> um, so the rockometer, obviously the Ramones are the very top. They are the ultimate rock band uh, to that can damage mice. But how exactly did Jethro Tull make it to number six? Mm. Um, mm. That's a good right question. above Foreigner and below Led Zeppelin. I would argue that Jethro Tull is the in that rockometer the highest like mid level band. Like after them is when you get start getting into the real heavy stuff right because it's like zeppelin the who the nuge uh yeah the stones yep. and the ramones right right are those the five right 
Um, I think the who was, yeah, the second to the who was probably the second. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I I don't know how somebody at at the Jethro Tull lobby group (laughs) were like, you got to get us in there and we got to be way up there. It's like, I'm not putting you above Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stone. Look, the flute is not getting enough respect anymore. Please (laughs) put me on that list. But this is going to be huge. (laughs) <laughs> I believe that all those, like that whole, all that range was all created by Alan Arkish, the director. Yes. So he created all, so those are according to his tastes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. The guy gets it. He gets, he gets it. it. He gets it. All right. Um, we talked about the rockometer. I like the rockometer. Uh, ro- I, I, I like rockometer. <laughs> yeah, you, like, you prefer, <laughs> okay, yeah, show of hands. Rockometer, like rockometer. versus rockometer. Yeah. <laughs> I think Ryan and Philip are rockometer, and Mark rock-o-meter. and Eric yeah. are our rockometer. <laughs> All right, so everybody gets a point. Everybody gets a point. Everybody yeah. gets a point. Everybody gets, that's good. I'm glad. Thank you for for tabulating this for us, Philip. Um, you know, let, let's just. I would try to hit like the certain songs that are played because I just think that that's a, a yeah, an interesting me. point. The when the Ramones showed up, they show up in a uh, uh, what is like basically a pink Cadillac. Is yeah. it? Is it not? It looks. Uh, yeah, it looks is like going. What, what's the car exactly? Oh, I that I uh, this is not my show. I, this is uh, this is not. I did not pay attention to that. I okay, was, okay, wow. I did not. Okay, I was having a hard time reconciling how long of an extension cord you would need to keep all those amps <laughs> plugged in while you're driving down the road. They so. don't need an extension cord. They don't need one, just like they don't need a drum kit. Yeah, <laughs> fair. They That's just fair. use the sticks, and yeah. you can pretty much get the whole sound. I don't know why I have all these synthesizers. I could just do my you. hands. My hands could just do this. When yeah. I asked you about it, I was like, "Why do you have those? Why are you right. bothering?" <laughs> you, you just need one that's unplugged, and you just put press your hands on it, and it creates a yeah, ton of noise. Get the plugs you don't need. Yeah, exactly. Don't plug it in. Everyone's making that mistake by plugging in their instruments. It's a huge mistake. Um, they come in writing in to I just want to have something to do. What what is that? Tell us about this song. Uh, that opens uh, Road to Ruin. The album they were they had done just before the, the album movie. they had just done. Yeah, you see it all over. That's the one that's like got yeah, them yeah. sort of cartoon drawn, right? Um, mm-hmm. It is the that's the first album also with Marky as their drummer, uh, who is in this movie. Movie, yeah. I, I, so the Ramones have, I guess, the last surviving member. He is he is presently the last surviving member of this crew. So right, there's right. there's like eight people who were in the Ramones. So there's and I break them up this way. There's the T-shirt crew, which if you buy a T-shirt today, that's Joey, Johnny, Dee Dee and Tommy, the original drummer. Then they got Marky. So that's our movie crew. Then Marky <laughs> then Marky was kicked out uh, for uh, he was a drop dead alcoholic. Uh, even during this movie, he says he can watch this movie and tell when they were hung over. Um, uh, he was kicked out and then Richie was in. Uh, so that's when they speed things up. And then they actually Richie quits and Marky comes back. Um, actually, and before they do that, they had uh, they had Clem Burke from Blondie for about two shows. And they're like, he's not getting it. So they, <laughs> so they kicked him out. They get Marky back. That's like reunion of this movie crew right and then uh dd Dee Dee says i'm out i want to concentrate on my rap career true story mm-hmm. and then oh, yeah. they, and then they replace him uh with cj um who everybody says was like a breath of fresh air he was like a regular human being he showed up on time he was very pleasant to be with and like oh yeah great and that was like the tour machine 
but the that's uh yeah that was a long way to say it's got it lit this song legitimately has three chords in it i've not all of them do some of them have four or five this one is three so since we're here and i know we were talking about that song they roll in on but since we're here you're talking about dd ramon's 1989 solo rap record standing in the spotlight yes i am with this particular hit called mashed potato time (laughs) it's time to rock it's time to rap it's time for the mashed potato attack. It's the latest, it's the greatest, mashed potato. Well, I drive a Mercedes. I like to impress the ladies and knock out the homeboys too. This ain't the twist or the boogaloo. The mashed potato is in the groove. It's gonna make your body move Make you snap, crackle and pop I'm the master of hip hop It is not an understatement where you say like it's that scene from Boogie Nights come to life. Yeah. (laughs) But that's not even close. Like the Boogie Nights version is fine compared to this. That Um, makes me think like why don't I have an album? I sing songs that sound like that every week on our podcast. <laughs> Damn it, where's my album? So Erica, here's the thing that's like magical about the Ramones. <sighs> when they do it right, you see them and you're like, oh my God, it's great and I could do that. And when they don't do it right, you're like, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's yep. the difference? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's, you're not. So what I'm getting is you're not a fan of this particular record. It's, no, your love of the Ramones does not extend to this. No, no. Um, it's it is a Dee Dee is a. I, there's very little words I can use to describe <laughs> yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah. When 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 we started the show, uh, we we used a joke that like uh, Molly, my co-host, would always like every every time she would just fawn over Joey. But the more we dug into Dee Dee's just eccentricity is the nicest way to say it. <laughs> we both became what we call Didi girls because it was just like every story about this human being w- just baffled me and kind of scared me. Like if I would yeah. love to meet him, but be terrified to meet this person because there was no way I'd know what would happen. It's so mm. funny because apparently there are stories where like around the time that I guess they kicked him out, verify the story for me, uh, mm-hmm. Philip, but I guess he was starting to dress up in his rap outfit. Yes. And they were like, dude, what is, I mean, yeah. So if there's ever a band with a dress code, it's the Ramones. So, so that's <laughs> part, that's thing. part of what it is. That's part of what it is that like to, to be, <laughs> to play devil DD's advocate. He was, <laughs> he was basically sick of, I don't want to wear this fucking haircut and this jean and this uh, leather jacket and this uniform anymore. I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And so he's always trying to find little ways to rebel. And then he, like so many people around that time, found hip hop and we're like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm a musician. So I have a feeling that like he wanted to do it partly for himself and also because and this I, I'm convinced this is part of the reason why half the group is not alive is because they never found anything they couldn't hold a grudge against each other for ever. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure 
part of the reason why he did it was because it pissed off other people. Sure. Especially sure. the people that he's in the van with all the time. Where it's like, oh, this is going to drive him nuts. And then he had to, it was like, well, now I have to do a whole record. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, right. oh shit, I should probably do that. I mean, I right. did it. I mean, I've made them mad. I've been booted out. I guess I have to just kind of go all the way. Yeah. yeah. And make this mashed potato song. That song was commissioned by a lost episode of Yo Gabba Gabba. It just (laughs) got a little out of hand. I know. (laughs) It's not even the most embarrassing song. I mean, it's ironically enough, Yo Gabba Gabba takes their their, their name of their show from the Ramones. Yeah, you see it in this movie. Um, Just real quickly, uh, I love a movie that has nothing but that is also part concert film. And that's absolutely this movie, because (laughs) at a certain point of this movie, we slip into, I guess, just a concert. We're done with story. There's things that a little bits of things that happen. Mostly they're confusing (laughs) and we get back to the concert. But uh, what can you tell us a little bit about the songs they do? They open with Blitz uh, Blitzkrieg Bop. Yes. Which was their decision because that's what they always opened with. Yes. So it was the Ramones uh, that they decided mo- to do they, that. Yeah, they mostly did open with it. It is the it's the first song on their uh first album and like it's you know, it's still played at like baseball stadiums and it's in one of the Marvel Spider Man sure. movies and you know, it's it's uh it's a big deal. It was and it was written by uh Tommy and Dee Dee. And inspired largely by the Bay City Rollers Saturday Night. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That, their that makes sense. That. They wanted they it, wanted a chant. They wanted something that people could. That like there's some things that they claim of like that they planned, and other things where I'm like, I think you just retroactively did that. But two things that I kind of believe are they wanted a chant. They wanted like the the crowd to be into it, and they also liked dressing in a way that the crowd could imitate. Hmm. So mm-hmm. then they, it was like, yeah, it is kind of easy. I mean, if you have a black jacket and jeans, and you're like, you're halfway there. You're just like, that's it. <laughs> just develop yeah. a heroin problem, and you're you're in the band. <laughs> you're in the band. <laughs> you're a Ramon. Yeah, you're an honorary Ramon. Okay, great. Uh, now it's time to go into a segment that we like to call things we loved and things we hated. Uh, that's right. We're going to talk about the things we loved <laughs> and the things we hated about rock and roll high school. Mark, what's something that you loved? Uh, Don Steele, real Don Steele. I couldn't get enough of him. If he was, sure. I, I, what am I if, why can't we have a movie of just him? Why didn't he get his own mm-hmm. feature? I, I mean, he's every scene. I know he's playing the same character from Death Race 2000, and I enjoyed him just as much in this movie <laughs> as I did in that one. <laughs> Arguably, he's always playing the real Don Steele in all these movies, despite what he might be called. He's always <laughs> just yeah. really being him. The Steeliverse. We're in the cinematic Steeliverse. <laughs> <laughs> There's a point. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, Philip, what's something that you love? Um... Aside from all the stuff we've been hogging the mic about, uh, I think I really enjoy uh, Miss Tokar. I really enjoy uh, mm. it, Mary Warner, Warrenoff, right? I trip over Warrenoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just one of those things. It was like a lot of these performances. You, I don't think you necessarily are like good acting wise, but they are good performances. And she's one of those people that like you're watching this thing. It's like she gets it. She knows she knows where she is and she knows what is needed and Mm -hmm, she's going to give you Mm -hmm. uh, like that. And and yeah, she just she just chews things just the right way. And 
Yeah. <laughs> the scenes. Yeah, the scenes, the di- just everything. She's ha- she's having so much fun, so we are too. She, yeah, she's having a good time, for sure. I think there's a you could say that about most of the cast. They're having yeah. a very, very good time. Uh, Erica, what's something that you love? I mean, I obviously loved um, all of PJ slash Riff's clothes mm-hmm. and then learning later that they were her own clothes or clothes mm-hmm. that she had provided for mm-hmm. the character just made me love it even more. And I liked her character because typically when you have the like bad you know girl of the school or whatever that 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 she's going to be like rude or mean-spirited or bullyish and i like that she wasn't right she was just very peppy and upbeat and in fact she unites the entire school yeah right Right? she yeah i i forgot to say this actually with sheena (laughs) with the song sheena too but mark is not a fan he is shaking his head oh my god well okay then this this will win you over um, uh, <laughs> this this movie passes the Bechdel test, right? I mean, because uh-huh. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, Riff talks about Joey Ramone a lot, and they talk about you know making out and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, she also like they just have conversations about stuff in their life, and like mm-hmm. she has her she is her own person. She lives her own life. She doesn't care about anything else. But she takes care of her own, and like, and she takes care of people. And you're like, yeah, good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they have great chemistry too. The two of them, yeah, her and Day Young, who plays Kate Rambeau. She, Kate this Rambeau. Is, she was cast at the last minute, so last person cast, and is in the very first scene that they shot, which is the drive up to to, to practice the date with. Um, mm-hmm. Eva oh, Bauer. right, right. So that's the very first scene that they were shot, and uh, this was their very first movie. Hmm. Okay, something that I loved. I'll, I'll just quickly say a couple things. I love that this movie has an energy to it. It really does have a great energy to it. I'm not going to say this is the best story <laughs> that a movie could ever produce, but it seemed like everyone's having a good time. Yeah. And there are, you know, movies, and particularly in that era, I think, where we made, like Animal House and, and other movies for that era, where we were just make, trying to make a fun movie that didn't have mm-hmm. a lot going on. If you, mm-hmm. I remember rewatching Caddyshack, and I was like, this movie has no plot at all. <laughs> There's nothing happening in this movie but like people love it. And it's like we were okay with just having a movie that was just about certain things. Right. That's not exactly a plot, but things were happening, you know? It's a good thing that they cleared that all up with Caddyshack too. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, guys, let's correct our mistakes. We got <laughs> get, get rid of those good actors and let's get a story in here. So that's one thing that I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, this movie certainly had an energy. It seems yeah. like everybody, most of the cast, if not all, and it seems like the people making the movie are having fun. They're doing fun stuff. I'm not sure if all the parts fit together very neatly. Hmm. In fact, I know that they do not, but they are having fun and there is a fun well, energy in there. And it's you, just interesting that we don't have a lot of movies where we can do that anymore. No. You know? Do you think that part of that too, Ryan, is that like, it's almost like a cop out or like a cheat that, you're making a movie that's kind of about a chaotic thing. So you can kind of get away with, I mean, like we have, we have a scene. Are you, are you, are you currently talking about the Bruce Willis movie cop out? Or? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. No, just, I'm, talking, wanna... <laughs> I'm talking about the movie where that has like both, uh, you know, a weird date practice scene and also a part where a giant talking mouse Wears a punny, <laughs> uh, you know, apron. I mean, like right, that's right, the movie we're right. in. So you kind of, I wonder yeah. if you can get away with those things because, like you say, it looks like it's fun, and most of the jokes 
I can't believe kind of work. Like I still kind of laugh at some of them. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe not mouse work, but the fact that the mouse showed up, <laughs> like my kids are in there and then the mouse, the mice explode. <laughs> like that's, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> help it. yeah. I mean, it has stuff that it just, they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall with like, yeah, just having a good time. Maybe this will work. Mm-hmm. It's a musical. It's a musical. It makes as much sense as Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, that movie, that 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 musical kind of just like, they just go around and around, then they're like, hey, and we're a state now. And you're like, what? We weren't talking about that. <laughs> we are now. We are now. Let's sing about it. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, I also love the score. And, and I'm not just talking about the Ramones, obviously. Uh, it, the score is great. There's a lot of good stuff in here, including a wing song, Paul McCartney and the Wing. Yeah. Did we meet somewhere before? And I was like, how, number one, how on earth did Roger Corman, who did not want to pay, give anyone any real amount of money to make anything, uh, how did they get this song? And I actually was going to have this as a question, but then I found out the answer because uh, in the writer's commentary on the DVD, they mentioned that 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 movie was actually written for 1978's Heaven Can Wait with Warren Mm. Beatty. Oh, so they had it. They didn't use it. Okay. Then nobody used it. So wow. they talked to the guy that, that ha- whoever had it, I don't know who had it, who owned it, but they talked to him and they were able to use it and sort of becomes like the love theme of Kate and Tom, like when they are together and it's very brief. Yeah. But it's like, a, it's actually some really good music in this. Yeah. Yeah. The Velvet Underground's on it. Devo's on it. Uh, Alice Cooper, the MC5. Right. And Devo was actually somewhat bandied about when they were talking about a band. Yeah. To- there's a movie, folks. Yeah. yeah. Man, what are we doing here? <laughs> that would that would pair very well with Steeman. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, if you've not diva, if you do not know, movie. Philip, uh Erica, we, we we talked about a New World Pictures movie called Steaming, which is all women in a steam bath in England, and okay. it, it was a very sad and dour movie. And Erica wants to do an all male version called Steeman. Yeah. Uh and yeah. it a is a passion you. project. <laughs> Thank you. All nice. right. Passions get points. Yeah. It's a passion project. Passion gets but yeah. points. It's going to be called Steaming. It's just going to be a bunch of dudes. A bunch of dongers flopping bunch around. Of dongers flopping bunch of around. dongers flopping around. Steamy dongs. That's good. Steamy dudes, dongs. Not talking about sad stuff. Nope. Just talking about stuff. Yep. Right. Yep. That's right. And just, all the while right. we'll be hearing question, are we not men? Answer, we are Devo. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, all those men, all those men are Devo. Oh, all, well, it's okay, just, great, great, it's great. just all Devo Perfect. in a steam bath. It's another layer. It's really coming together. I'm gonna have Devo do the soundtrack. Mark Mothersbaugh does stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, something else you love? I have a bunch of loved, on? but I probably, yes, I'm yeah, probably gonna. Sh- uh, I have a bunch of love to throw. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I was gonna uh, second uh, the sort of energy thing, and I think I. I would say about PJ souls. I was thinking about it today that like part of why this movie works is sort of like how uh, Yoda works only because Mark Hamill is acting opposite him. You mm-hmm. know, like if we don't mm-hmm. believe that Luke believes that Yoda's real, right. it, it wouldn't work. So there's something it was like, there's something to be said about this woman who like she, I, I'm assuming Dennis Quaid was smoking back then, you know, smoking <laughs> hot. It was like, honey, sure. I got to go to work where I, where I find this guy to be super attractive and charming in my life. Um, so I love that. Um, I love the bedroom scene, the I want you around scene. 
Um, oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah that's it's, my it's, favorite scene. Spoilers for my favorite. Oh, I'm sorry. Scene. That's go my ahead. Scene. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. no. Yeah, no. That, I, I, then we'll talk about that. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, good one. And and yeah, the the concert scene is great. Um, it does. The movie does just kind of stop for it, but then again, they've been talking. <laughs> yes. They've been talking about it the whole time, and yeah. so yeah, we got to have it. And then you get the feeling that like I I never got to see the Ramones live, and I, certainly not in the 1970s. But I mean, there they are in a club, just like packed full of people. And like, I guess in the crowd are like local scene stirs and like members from the germs are there. And they they made some of the extras pay for the later shows. And they, they, they paid for every show they did. They paid for every sets. show. They paid for three <laughs> yeah. sets and they had different um, audience Crowds, members. Yeah. So the way they paid for it, because they shot it at the Roxy. And the way they paid for it, by the way, all the backstage stuff was at the Whiskey A Go Go. Yeah, yeah. The, the actual concerts at the Roxy. The way they paid for getting the Roxy as a venue was they had extras all come in and they had to pay basically because they're going to get to see the Ramones. Right. And they did it for certain chunks of time. So you get hours where you get to watch the Ramones. Granted, they're going to say play the same song over and over <laughs> again. But you're going to have they get they paid, so they brought it's like an in endurance test. Yeah. But I love that. I, I I think the concert's great, and I think it pays off and having seen it like i said at some place like uh hollywood forever this huge screen with a friendly crowd everybody gets up for it and it's and it's little things like this is real old man talk but like <laughs> there's nice here for it here, here for it, it. <laughs> there's nice long shots of <laughs> there's nice long shots of the band like there's lots yeah. of cutting around, you know, you focus in on this, that and the other. But there's just some good parts when like when the bouncing ball, you know, the the lyrics show up for Teenage Lobotomy. There's a long lingering shot. It was like, there's Joey, there's Marky and there's Johnny and Dee. It was like, this is it. I, this is I don't cut. Stop cutting. I just want to watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I obviously I would be here for the concert. anything else anything else before we transition to things we hated uh i have a lot of lines that i wrote down but i'm sure we've paraphrased them no every line you think (laughs) is funny i probably got but i'll give a special shout out to the to the mispronunciation of d-u-m-b as d-m-u i think that's i think that's beautiful chef's kiss chef's kiss like that's that's their humor in a weird nutshell I love Paul Bartel saying, um, who are the Ramones? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was really, that was terrific. Yeah. So simple and so funny. I like that when, that, so his name, his character's name is Mr. McCree, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll steal this from something that Molly said in our show, but like the Ramones can barely talk, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so Joey has a line where he has to say, if we like your song, we'll stop by and pay you and Mr. McCree a visit. But it comes out Mr. McGloob. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> and yep. I just love the idea that they're like, okay, Joey, it's Mr. McCree. He's like, got it. McGloob. And they're like, crap. <laughs> That's it. That's the best we're going to do. They did so many takes of uh, of just trying to get Dee Dee to be excited about the pizza. Oh my God. And they shot it so many. He couldn't. He had his line. He was like, yeah, the pizza's here. Let's dig in. Yeah. It's essentially all he has to say, and it, it, they just can't get through it. It's uh, incredible. They, they had full scenes. The writers wrote full scenes for the Ramones, and Arkish was like, yeah, that's not, we can't do that. We can't do, they're great scenes. We can't shoot them. They're <laughs> incapable. The thing that I admire is that they figured that out, and that yeah, that, he, yeah. that Arkish also figured out that, like, this is the thing that goes through the whole Ramones, like, history, is that 
to see them on the street or anywhere else, they look like like people who don't have homes or <laughs> or, you know, which sometimes they were or, you know, or something else, something just like that's not a band that is nothing. And then for some reason, when they get on stage, then all of a sudden, Dee Dee can remember his words. Joey can sing and perform and move and look at people. And like, you know, like <laughs> something happens. And so to Arkish's credit, he's like, he's like, I think we just got to have him perform all the time. Like as long as they're performing, yeah. we're yeah. fine. So right. just, right. we'll just save do that. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Save yeah. it up. When you have Joey as really the only guy within a four man team that you're like, He's going to give us the best delivery of all of the four. <laughs> like we're not, you're not, you got yeah. it's a tr- it's a troubled group of in terms of line yeah, delivery. It really, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. Yeah. All right, let's switch to things we hated. Mark, what's something you hated? I've got a couple things. Okay, go gotta, through your list. Cover here. Get so, it off your chest. First of all, um, the pizza scene that you brought up, uh, it really triggered me because <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I'm like, these pizzas are being fucking ruined. <laughs> like they are piled like, on top of one another. They, like the cheese is going to be stuck up. to the top of the yep. box. The, the <laughs> toppings are going to slide <laughs> off to the side. I'm, I'm just like, can't you just? Can't you symmetrically stack them? They are boxes. They're not balls. And so that really bothered me. Oh yeah. Um, it, it bothered. It bothered me that um, that even though uh, uh, PJ Souls' character loves Ramon so much, and she puts, uh, she tries to play them every chance she can get, she treats her vinyl like shit. And I'm like, yeah, if you, no, I'm with you on that. Yeah, sure. like, like, take your fingers off the record, hold it correctly. Mm-hmm. Even I, in my, just, even, even in my favorite scene, not to interrupt you, Mark, but even in my favorite scene, she goes through different records, picks the Ramon records, and then she just puts a record on the bed and then lays down and puts her feet up. And I'm like, makes me nervous every what time. What happens when you yeah. kick the record off the bed or put your yeah. feet on the bed as you s- sleep and daydream here or whatever? <sighs> like, you're gonna. That's, We're parents. Don't just put the record on the bed. You are just inviting <laughs> potential breakage of the record. Yeah. Anyway, I'm with you, Mark. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, and then, honestly, uh, and I hate to say this because the energy that you guys love so much kind of drove me nuts. <laughs> because you know that one friend that was always super into everything. Sure. Like, can yeah. you just can you just yeah. take it down to like a four or five? Right. Just yeah. like, and she theoretically didn't know or wasn't able to time the lyrics correctly. So whenever she's singing along, she's not really singing either the right words or in the right timing, mm-hmm. especially during the concert scene. I'm like, PJ Souls had never heard the Ramones, and that much is clear. Yeah. She yeah. is trying. She's trying to sing along the songs. She does not know. and that, But yet she won't stop jumping up and down, jumping up and down, all the fucking movie, jumping up and down. Jumping crazy. This is this is great because this is literally my, my reaction as a teen. Because my reaction as a teen, looking at Riff Randall, I'm like, uh, you're not punk rock. Not at all. 
No, yeah. punk rocks don't run around with satin jackets with like music notes on it. That's not a punk rock thing. That doesn't, you know, when you are in a, you're in Fred Siegel's and you're getting in a fight with Rod Stewart over said jacket, like DJ <laughs> right, Souls right. was when she bought the actual jacket. <laughs> right. You're like, this isn't punk rock. She's Rod a rock Stewart and roller, like, Ryan. She identifies as a rock and roller. As a fair, rock and roller. Yeah. Uh, but again, yeah. this is my teen as a teenager. Me now, I'm looking at her going, she really has a lot of great energy and she's very positive. <laughs> she really tries to bring people into her world of the things she loves. And when I'm in a teenager, I'm like, you are not, you're not legit. You're fake. You don't like the cool shit. Like I do. Like, this is me. Like tearing it. Now I'm older and I'm like, you know what? She's got great energy. Give her a break. She's got good energy. She's got the fun. The movie's got energy. I'm sorry, Mark. Go ahead. I love this. <laughs> no, I, I said all I needed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Point to Mark. Uh, <laughs> Erica, what is something you hated? Um, I think I thought it would be funnier. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like it sh- is going to be so wacky from the poster. You're like, oh, here we go. And the Ramones are in it. This is going to be hilarious. And it's not particularly <laughs> hilarious. Um, well, here's the here's the thing. It's very corny. Yeah, it is very. Corny. Not, You're expecting a certain brand of humor. The brand of humor that they brought, but it uh, is but very it's not corny even jokes. like screwballs corny. It's yeah, just yeah. I know. I thought of screwballs because it doesn't this. go as far as screwballs. Mm-hmm, even mm-hmm, it's sure. uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I just thought it would be funnier. Yeah, that's fair. Um. So I hated that. And I also really hated, I really hated um, Johnny's pants because uh-huh. the patch on his pants made it look like he had peed his he pants. He peed his yeah. pants, yes. Yeah, so I did. spent most of the movie going, yep. Ryan, did he pee his pants? Yep. Yes. Like, yep. and, and is this like a Ramones thing that I just wasn't aware of? Like, yeah, I don't know. Every uh, every show, they just pee their pants. Like, that's <laughs> punk rock. You pee your pants. It's I don't know. Ramones I was thing. like, is this just something I'm not aware of? Rock and of? roll, baby. <laughs> this is a big time. Time, Erica. This is rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, that's a, that's what I hated. Those are p- pee pants. Philip, do you have anything about this movie that you? Hate? Nope. It was perfect. Um. Yeah. I have. <laughs> I, I have a couple. Um. Uh. Yeah. I've never. I've never really cared for the Kate and. Uh. What's his Tom. name? Tom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Parts. Yeah. It's just like. Yeah. yeah. It's long. I mean, the the reason I'm watching this movie, the reason I've ever watched it and continue to watch it, is for the band. And yeah. those parts yeah. don't have the band. So mm-hmm. I'm like... And, and the relationship, I think, that's really the most winning here, if uh, of anything, is really PJ Souls and uh, a really Riff and, and Kate. Those yeah. are the two yeah. friends. Yeah. Those right. are the people you're invested in. Her interest in Tom is fine. And like the way yeah. they keep pushing off feels like maybe that's like an, a very end note of the movie. Sure. I do always like that they decide to be friends. Or something that's like, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're going to be friends. I also like at one point they're referred to as Randall and Rambo. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. where's that movie? Just that title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Randall and Rambo. Those you, two sassy cops. Have you, have you have you recently been injured on the job? Um, <laughs> That's even better. I also do not like uh, uh, the the gun sound effect when people do this. Because uh, yeah. uh, Scream, oh, yeah. Scream and Steve does it, and Joey does it during Blitzkrieg Bop, and I'm like, when they, when even, they make a little gun, gun yeah. thing Pew! with their hand, and, and a few, yeah. for a movie 
where a huge mouse attends a concert, even that's too much for me. Somehow it's like, <laughs> just no, stop it. No, that no. reminds me of something, if I may, that reminds me of something yeah. else I hated. That bouncer was like thoroughly checking everyone to make sure they weren't wasted. They didn't bring in bottles or cans or weapons, but then he let a motorcycle with a sidecar just roll in. Well, they might have like, pushed their right. way. They pushed their way through. Shouldn't Those that have been something that he through. stopped? Fun fact, that bouncer is played by Alan Arkish, the director. Yes. Oh, in okay. his Fillmore East uh, shirt, because of course he worked at the Fillmore East for the all the years that it was in existence oh. in New York. Yep. And then in the commentary, you can see they have the motorcycle and he goes, I forgot we brought a motorcycle through the crowd. <laughs> this is him up for 22 hours straight shooting this concert yeah. and losing his mind. Yeah. He's in the crowd also, yes. like dancing around like a maniac. So um, he's all over that. Speaking of bad jokes, something I hated, that scalper joke. Yikes. Oh, yeah. We could have done without that, man. You know, t- and talking about like the poster, it's even like the, the guy... I don't know what we want to call him. The guy in the headdress is at the concert. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, yeah. And yep. then he's even on the poster and you're like, yeah, oh, all right. I know different times and yeah. that's fine. But yikes. Yeah. Uh, I, I was with you. Do we need Tom Roberts? Could we have cut that? I don't know. We got more Eagle Bauer out of it, but I just. It's like it just needs to be shorter, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Also, if he was drinking Jack Daniels from the bottle, he should have been messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. he just kicked back in that van like he, you know, has JD all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he doesn't know how to talk to a he woman, but he can crush blind, JD. Like blind drunk in so the back of that van. To, to evidence how little I care about Tom, I've watched this movie multiple times, but it took me a minute, Erica, to realize what you were talking about. Because that's the part where, like, <laughs> you go to the bathroom and, you know, you yeah. don't. It's like, oh, it's yeah. the, the, the Tom parts. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be back to the concert. Where he's yeah. not even trying to act drunk. No, um, we haven't mentioned the two hall monitors, and I almost put them in the things I hated. But then there's one thing they do that I really liked. They're they're played by two actors, by the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Not actual hall monitors. Yeah, they they're work. not actual. Prof- <laughs> they're not professional hall monitors. That's a big surprise. Huh. Huh. Lauren Lester is uh, is still acting to this day. He had a voiceover career as Robin in Batman the Animated Series and the new Batman Adventures. And he would re-team with Clint Howard in Evil Speak in 1981 or 82. The dream team. Daniel (laughs) Davies is the other guy who was a comedian, and this was his first movie. And he did a few other little roles, but didn't really go anywhere else. He was also in Alan Arkish's Get Crazy, which Mm -hmm. he did in the early 80s. But um, there's one scene where they leave Togar's office. And there's like a countertop there, and he just like rolls over it yeah. to leave. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I yeah, was like, yeah. That I, was I, good. I, I didn't see that the first time. I saw it the second time. And the first time I was like, these two hall monitors are driving me cra- crazy. And then I saw that and I was like, okay. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you, you, I still don't love you guys in this movie, but. Thanks for giving us something extra. Thank you for giving me something. Um, <laughs> favorite scene. Let's go around and talk about our favorite scenes. I've already tipped uh, what mine is, but Mark, what is yours? My favorite scene is, uh, unfortunately, it's whenever it's when Philip goes to the bathroom. But my favorite scene <laughs> is when they in, when they introduce the warlock van, because to uh, me oh, there sure. is a there's a universe where the movie dives deep into mm-hmm. the inner workings of that van. Mm-hmm. I wanted to explore every crevasse of that van, like. How do they know that the? How do they make sure the liquor bottles don't fall over when you go around a curve? 
How do you, you know, how, how plush is that carpet? How much did you have to reinforce the back transaxle to support all the glass in the waterbed? I mean, these are things that I wanted to understand. And so this speaks to Mark's investment in the film. When he sees the van, he's like, man, I'd love to take that out for a spin. Really test, really test that baby. Really, really into the all the narrative threads that they are weaving through this movie. Uh, and really, it's also that moment is there's a lot of things in this movie that have certain 70s things. For instance, by the way, kids, this is how we used to get concert tickets. We used to, <laughs> yeah. we used to have to actually go to the theater and stand in line and, and I, get tickets. And I love how she's like 100 of your best Ramones tickets. And the guy's like, here you go. It's all open seating, so there is no best. It's all the worst. Thanks <laughs> for your crap. money, There's child. No seats. <laughs> Moron, good Moron. job. You slept here for three days. It's all standing room only, dum dum. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. So that, but that scene with the with the van is the mm-hmm. most seventies. That's that, that's yes. the movie. That's the scene yeah. that says. No, 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 no. We are in the 70s. The 70s are not done yet. Easy, 80s. Easy. We'll get get to you in a couple. But right now, we are steeped in the 70s. Deep. Uh, Philip, what was your favorite scene? Um, I will go uh, super... I'll I'll do two. I'll say super basic. The concert scene um, is way up there. I also really like the Rocco... Rockometer, rockometer uh, thing. I think I I laughed at it. I still kind of do. How like I like how she whips that mouse around and uh, and I do couldn't I, do it today. Could not do, do that today. Could not no. do it today. Nope. Something. Yeah. Yep. Um, again, uh, Miss Togar is a vision in terror. Um, and I'm <laughs> She's pro- great. I'm always kind of a sucker for those things like getting in jokes about taste. Like how, you know, Muzak and Pat Boone are at the bottom of it and stuff and Don- Donnie mm-hmm. Marie are mm-hmm. on there. So I'm like, I like I like the sort of autobiographical element of that to be like, OK, I kind of align. Well, I don't know if I put Jethro Tull up that high, but all right. You know, like, <laughs> like I enjoy and then it pays off. And, and I do love that line of like the mouse just exploded. She's like, notice the lack of hearing or the loss of hearing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah good. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. rockometer. OK, very good. Erica, your favorite nice. scene? I think uh, my favorite scene is when they when um, we go into Eagle Bauer's office mm-hmm, and yeah. just get to see that whole world. And then he has the chart and he's got like a whole <laughs> full presentation that he goes through. Like, I just. Right. Yeah. I thought that was great. that was funny. That was my favorite. That was yeah, does he use they, that chart they, they, every time? How many times yeah, does he, is does that he customize chart it <laughs> depending on who's in there? I mean, I don't know. I love all the market research he's done on each student. Like, I felt like they could have continued yeah. that to some small degree, even as Eagle Bauer's hanging out with Tom and just sort yeah. of becoming a sidekick. I felt like they still could have included bits and pieces of that kind of thing with him. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sad it, they kind of dropped that thread. Yeah. 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 It was very, it worked best in that office to be fair, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but. My favorite scene, as I said, this is the one where, where Riff listens and almost ruins a record collection <laughs> listening <laughs> to uh, I, I want you around, which is, uh, which is not on road to ruin, but that's the, that's the album that she puts on the, yeah. <laughs> on the record yeah, player, right? um, which is funny, but uh <laughs> That is, the, but that's a song that the Romans actually wrote for the movie. Yes, on top of Rock and Roll High School. Yes, but I actually really love that because that really took me back to when you I would just like listen to music in my room, and you would allow 
like I didn't particularly think about, you know, Andy Rourke playing bass in my shower and me noticing him and as I was about to jump in, but um <laughs> I or didn't you? Or did, bad, bad boy. Bad boy. <laughs> um, you know, but like I'm just saying it would it, it, it it's about like where music takes you and yeah. how music affects you and you start daydreaming and you just feel like a part of the music. Yeah, but I just I, the no, yeah. part I connected to was just like how music really affects us, particularly that age when you really sort of are setting up as I as I certainly did set up my identity to the bands that I really liked, and it was like it meant so much. Yeah, and that's why I really love it's, that scene. It's kind of silly to say around what is also got some silly jokes in it that song and that scene, but it's kind of honest in that way mm-hmm. where like. Yeah, that's sort of what it's like. Like, I will, I'll admit, I still like will post them on Twitter how often I dream about meeting the Rolling Stones. Like, I literally have dreams about it. And it's not that I'm <laughs> necessarily obsessed, but I like, I keep, like, it just keeps popping up about how, like, oh my God, they're tank, like, I had a dream they're tanking their tour so they can start playing smaller venues. And then I get to meet them. Like, that's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still, it's still kind of in, me and so yeah i i relate to that too i like that feeling um all right let's go into final questions here's our final questions for rock and roll high school put in someone's head in a toilet it's called a whirly or a swirly Mm -hmm. but what's it called when you put someone's head in a urinal Hmm. disgusting (laughs) disgusting or (laughs) a urly urly? okay yeah philip top flush Ooh, top flush. Yeah. That's tough. These all these are all points to all. Great. I, That's you know, so I, I, you know, That's these good. are all good answers. But I just noticed that people were doing that. Yeah. It, as they're going into Eagle Bauer's office, and I was like, that actually doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> I mean, it's like <laughs> guys are holding your head under the urinal. Feels like, well, I mean, it's not the best water, but it's not as if my whole head is consumed in a bowl of dirty water. Right. Yeah. So you have less chance to poop. Could be worse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Could be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, towards the end, h- how are the teachers able to hold off the entire student body? <laughs> uh, I mean, is Vince Lombardi high like a private school and there's really ultimately <laughs> only about 50 students or something? <laughs> like, because they form a ring and it's like they can't, the students just cannot get by as she's burning all their records. It is just, there is no way. No, no, I don't have an answer for that. Other than, other than there's, they were, they were filled with their righteous sense of purpose. (laughs) And that emboldened them and gave them sort of super strength. They hate rock and roll, Ryan. They hate it. They sure do. Um, when Riff lets the Ramones into the school, she actually plays high school by the MC5 over the loudspeaker. So she's playing another band's music as the Ramones enter. Yeah. Appropriate or an insult? Mm -hmm. I am going to say appropriate most for two reasons. One, I think they were okay with showing their, uh, you know, their influences and, you know, liking them. And also number two, because it cracks me up that in a movie called Rock and Roll High School, they have a song called Rock and Roll High School. That song's called High School. And earlier, there was a Velvet Underground song called Rock and Roll. <laughs> it's like they found, they're like, how, how do we pick what songs to put in? I've got it. 
<laughs> so appropriate. Uh huh. Okay. That's, yeah. that's fair. What do you think Rob Bottin is mo- more proud of? The creature effects in the thing or the giant mouse he created for this? Mm, boy, well. Mm. Uh, I'm, yeah. Mm. I. I think one. there's a I think there's 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 a world where the mouse <laughs> wins. <laughs> it's a really yeah. good mouse costume. It's a great mouse costume. Even has like yeah. mousy yeah. hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's like mm-hmm. mousy paws. That's like mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a fact. Uh, that's like yeah, finding yeah. out that Spielberg's uh DP worked on Cool as Ice. <laughs> Which <laughs> yes. is true. Yes, it did. It's, it did. Speaking of uh, Spielberg's DP, his DP for Jurassic Park shot this. What? Yeah. Are you yes. kidding? Wow. No, no, wow. I'm not. Yeah, Dean Cundy, who had just come off of Halloween uh, mm-hmm. shooting, he would shot many movies for John Carpenter around this time. He went from Halloween to this, just like PJ Souls. Wow. Eventually goes on to shoot Jurassic Park and what a uh, podcast, Roger you guys. Rabbit and a bunch of other things. <laughs> <laughs> Where else are you going to get this information? I did. Oh, man, that's. I don't know. Everybody works. Everybody works. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, I just we have to go around and ask everybody. But uh, Riff's favorite band is the Ramones. This is the band that she sets her identity to. But clearly, not the only band she listens to. But the band that she really flocks to mm-hmm. who was that band for you in high school Ooh, philip we'll start with you god damn it in high school i probably didn't have one um i was okay. i was very we were like i said we didn't have much cable it would have just been like top 40 stuff so i guess i would say in vogue because <laughs> i loved in vogue that's a point. That's a point. That's a point right yeah. there. Oh, that's oh wow. Uh, young Philip rocking to En Vogue. I would have loved to work with En Vogue. I'm not saying I would be in En Vogue, but if I could have helped En Vogue. <laughs> Terrific I do like answer. thinking about the uh, come back to me. I'll have a college answer. Okay. Okay. Well, Mark, what what's that for you? Yeah, it's hard because I could think of a couple, but I would say specifically in high school. I'm going to have to go with Love and Rockets because I I just, they were the band that transitioned me away from listening to almost exclusively punk Mm -hmm. into like, oh, wait, there's this whole other side that's a little more melodic, but also has some of the same, you know, kind of antisocial sentiment. So, yeah, I would say Love and Rockets. All right. And by my first concert, we saw their concert Mm -hmm. together. Erica, um... What, what's what's your band? Pearl Jam. Okay. <laughs> Pearl Jam. Nice. Shaped nice. me. Nice. Shaped me. I was really, as you can imagine, just popular and well liked. <laughs> so, you know, to be in southeastern Indiana and be a big Pearl Jam fan made me really super popular. You're not going to you wouldn't believe me. I'm jumping ahead, but I was thinking of like if I was in college, it wouldn't have been Pearl Jam, but it would would have been Soundgarden. So we would have at least oh, been wow. friends. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. we would have yeah. at least like mm-hmm. yeah, sure for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna uh, boringly say The Smiths would would have been probably my my band. Okay. I, I, I loved lots of other bands, but The Smiths were the one I obsessed over. So. Okay, I love this question. You should ask everybody this question. 
I really, I, they, I'm fascinated by this type of stuff. I miss, I miss now, well, I miss going to people's homes because of, you know, reasons, but I used to love, I used to love when you could go to parties at people's houses and you could go through their albums, their CDs and their mm-hmm. records. And then you could and, say and like, judge them. Yeah. I mean, in a way, but you also would learn, you would either see something you hadn't seen or you'd ask to borrow For something. Lack of in vogue here. Gotta well, go. not a lot of funky divas hanging out here. <laughs> Oh, you you think you're better than that? <laughs> so much so, Pearl Jam. Let's go. <laughs> oh, God. It's all late era. There's no early era Pearl Jam. <laughs> I, I, do have, I do have one more question if we have time for a Please, final. Please, by all means. Yeah. If the movie had continued on uh, past when the school blew up, uh, you would have got to the fact that, according to U.S. Code 844, Uh-oh. blowing oh. up or destroying a building, oh, maliciously God. blowing up or <laughs> destroying a building, does it, it, you you would be uh, serving a prison time of no less than five years or up to 20 years. Wow. <laughs> now, in addition wow. to that, if you engage in the conduct of lighting or, or blowing up a building that could directly injure Anybody, uh, especially someone that is in law enforcement or a safety officer, you could be imprisoned also for no less than seven years and up to 40 years. Now, (laughs) if Randall and Rambo, let's say, okay, they're going to go, they're going to, they're going to be tried for this and they're going to be convicted. But let's say they're, they're pretty, you know, time served and, you know, they're good behavior. So they get their sentences cut in half. That means that they would be getting out of prison somewhere around the summer of 2010. And by this time, <laughs> the Ramones would have been broken up for about three years. And the only living member would be Marky Ramone. So would they blow up the high school knowing that? Oh, <laughs> well, I got to tell you, at first, you're going to lose a point here right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has at least cost you one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I gotta think they probably would still be into them because they probably went in there and still listened to it. Okay. I, I would get So that. even though the dream was to be an honorary member of the band and that was thrown away by blowing up the school and risking the lives oh, of the that was not necessarily faculty. thrown away. That was not they are still on she is still an honorary member, whether she blew up that high school or not. Want <laughs> that stricken from the record. <laughs> I do, I do think like we talk about alternate universes. It would be interesting where like uh, she would be like, "Oh shit, I got arrested for that," because there is the chief of police there. Yeah, and yeah, we blew yeah. up the school, and like, um, and then the Ramones were like, "Well, hey, do you guys have a lawyer?" And they'd be like, "We don't. We don't have a lawyer. We cannot help you." I, I was even you're thinking- still honor. You're still an honorary member, but we will not be involved in this. This is your thing. We won't. We are going to back away from this. I wouldn't put it past them. They were. Uh, litigious and careful about that. But I was actually thinking the other way where uh, Kate and uh, and Riff would get out of it because the only witnesses were the Ramones. And they're like, now, Dee Dee, do, what, describe what you saw on that day. And he's like, like, our star witness is a Muppet. Like a Popeye Muppet is our star witness. You didn't vet this. 
We have a school in ashes, and this is the best we can do. <laughs> it's the best we can do. We couldn't get one. They just die. reply. It was McGloob. It was McGloob. <laughs> it was McGloob. Blame McGloob. Uh, by the way, that school where they did the sh- where they shot this was actually a Catholic school that was closed at the time because they needed to do retrofitting. But they did not realize how big the explosion was. And they had a bunch of uh, high school students out there as extras. They actually brought in real high school students. And they had SATs the next day. And And one of the guys just kept moving the clock back so they didn't know because it took so long to set up. They just kept moving the clock back an hour so nobody knew what time it was. They finally got the explosion off at three o'clock in the morning and then let all the students go. They had to go take their SATs the next day. An entire wow. generation. Ruined, ruined. ruined a lot of lives. Ruined, ruined a lot of lives. <laughs> wow. um, and there was so much gasoline because they wanted to have it keep burning. But the gasoline just exploded, and you can see the effect. I mean, it is a yeah, giant a huge explosion. Really is. Way too big. It blew out lots of and windows. Way too close. Way, way too, too close, close to them. <laughs> way too close. But anyway, speaking of that, that should bring us into our research portion. I'll try to make this as quickly as I can. This opened in 1979 for sure. I don't know exactly what date, because I normally like to say, where did this fall in terms of where other New World movies are? It's a crapshoot. According to Wikipedia, <laughs> they say August 24th, 1979. But Arkish's note on the DVD was written in 2010, and he says April 1979 is when it opened, which is like it when it opened in Austin, Texas, which is what IMDb says. Also, the DVD notes, uh, the writers, Whitley and Devonch, they say it opened in Los Angeles in a double bill with The Kids Are All Right, which is a documentary about The Who, which New World released. And that makes sense. And actually, a great double bill. I should say, but it's hard to say exactly uh, when that was. And and the book I have about the early years uh, or uh, the Roger Corman's era of New World says it opened in June. And that's when the kids are all right opened. So uh, hard to say. IMDb also says August 4th in New York. Who knows? I don't know. The point is, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, around that Great time... Great research corner, Ryan. <laughs> the bad boy. He Who doesn't, knows? He doesn't follow the rules. Stri- strip me of points, I guess. Um, True bad boy so answer. All we can say when is, did it open? Who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? <laughs> all I can say is that open around this time... <laughs> who gives a shit? Uh, around that time, The Brood and The Kids Are All Right opened in June... The Lady in Red, uh, starring our pal Louise Fletcher, that opened in July, and it was followed by the Tim Conway Don Knotts comedy The Prize Fighter in November. Ooh! I can't find box office numbers either, but who gives a fuck? Yeah, fuck it, uh, bad boy. <laughs> but um, but it was not a success. Okay, I, I know that much. It did not do well. Are you saying that something our- with the Ramones was not commercially successful? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Outrage. Which again, by the time I pick up and watch it, it didn't. I didn't know that it wasn't a success. No, everyone knew about the Ramones being in a movie, so it felt like. That must have gone off like gangbusters, but it wasn't. In fact, Arkish told MovieWeb in, in 2005, he said that there was, he explains that there was a kind of schism with, within New World between who liked the picture and who didn't. It was so different than your average exploitation movie of, uh, of New World Pictures at that time. It wasn't really a genre car chase movie or something like that. So there was that. And then he blames the marketing for the bad performance but things got uh, changed after they got a review from Siskel and Ebert. Also, Rock and Roll High School, <laughs> a punk rock comedy that I'm predicting someday 
is going to be a big hit as a cult film, even though it's already bombed at a lot of box offices. Now, here's a film that has some familiar material in it, but yet I think it does it in a fresh way. In the movie business, there's a peculiar creature known as the cult film, films that aren't necessarily hits when they're first released, but eventually they find an audience, and it's typically young people. These cult films end up playing for years and years at midnight shows and at revival film houses. Now, I think an innocent little high school comedy called Rock and Roll High School <laughs> has a chance of becoming a cult film, of joining the ranks of pictures like Harold and Maude and the sing-along Rocky Horror Picture Show. Totally dead on right, Gene Siskel was, because that's exactly what happened. It became a midnight feature, and Corman started actually promoting it as a big midnight feature, and that is when it started to find any sort of success after this particular clip that uh, Siskel and Ebert uh, put up, where they talk about it becoming a cult movie. Tastemakers. Uh, so let's go over real quickly. Why does this movie have so many writers? And the reason why I want to bring this up is that I think it gives you a bit of an idea of how movies were made in New World. Now, this is initially conceived by Alan Arkish as a script that he wanted to call Heavy Metal Kids, about kids that are taking over high school and blowing it up. This is according to Arkish. Corman rejected that idea. It was like, nah. He wanted to make the movie that Philip mentioned earlier called Girls Gym. And uh, in one of the DVDs, many, many commentaries, and there's four of them, Arkish explains that it was going to be a high school version of like the nurses movies that Corman was making in the 70s. He was going to do something like that, but in high school. Um, with Corman's direction being, I don't care what you boys do, just make sure there's new gymnastics. Which sounds like Corman. That's a Corman <laughs> touch. Like a, a Corman touch. Yeah, he's not playing some half-assed motherfucking game. He's going whole ass. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. Um. <laughs> Think I'm playing some half-assed motherfucking game? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Gene Siskel does it again. Oh, oh my gosh. Tatum O'Neill. Uh, one of our favorites around here. Um, now, so what they did is that in order to do Girls Gym, Arkish and, and, and Dante, Joe Dante, so they dictate a draft of Girls Gym and they give it to Francis Dole, who was New World Story Editor for a long time in all the Corman years, for most of the Corman years which is likely why they got story credit. Now, Joseph McBride is hired to write the actual script. And he had written a couple scripts that weren't made by Corman, but he was employed to write a couple scripts and they were somewhat teen-based, so he was given this script. And in a book I have, uh, volume two of the oral history of New World from that era, he gives this breakdown of, of the New World script process at that time. Uh, Corman was a Writers Guild signatory which uh, had you pay 8000 minimum for an original script. He didn't like doing that. So he would get someone to dictate a so-called script into a tape recorder and then have his secretary type it up, and he would pay the person $200. Oh Somebody God. in the wow. office would just make up a story, and then he would bring in a real WGA writer and pay the writer the rewrite fee, which was 4000 when in fact the writer had to write an original script. Because the script they were handed was horrible, right? <laughs> now, in Arcus's commentary, he explains he he was paid $150 to dictate the girls' gym story because he had to produce a pay stub in order to get the story credit. <laughs> so that, that this is what they're doing. So they're bringing in Joseph McBride to completely rewrite the script. So this is what uh, McBride says about the original dictated script. Joe Dante and Alan Arkish had done this with girls' gym. The script was just nothing. It was a bunch of teenagers just goofing around at a high school. 
quite frankly. I think we kind of got that in the end. <laughs> that part carried through a little bit. Yeah, exactly. That they were like, I like that. Let's keep it. <laughs> and, okay, back to back to McBride. And all they had in the script of any interest was they were making drugs in the school chemistry lab in a big vat. They were pouring a lot of chemicals in this thing, and they had a chimpanzee who was their pet. And the chip, chimp drank the drugs and turned into King Kong and smashes through the roof of the school. So that's Girls' Gym. McBride does a bunch of drafts of Girls' Gym off based off that story. But what he does do in order to create this and said, oh, I've got this terrible story. What he says he brings to the mix is that he says he came up with this idea. What if they blow up the school at the end? So suddenly it's not Arkish's idea. It's McBride's. So I don't know. You be the Time will be the judge, I guess. So once they eventually decide we're not going to do girls gym because they're basically dealing with a bunch of other things, including death sport, um, Richard Whitley and Russ Devonch were hired. They're come fresh from uh, film school and they like go to new world and say, we want a job. And they're like, we, we're not having out jobs. Sorry. Uh, that's not how this works. But if you want, you can go play mutants and death sport. <laughs> and so they do. And they're like, you get paid very little and you get no lunch and they were like sounds good and so they played mutants and in, in that movie and uh and then they showed some of their shorts and they made them film school for dante and arkish and they're like okay these are decent and they hire them to rewrite once they start moving forward with girls gym again they uh hire them to write the script of course now it's called disco high because corman wants to capitalize on saturday night fever Right. And he's like, okay, let's make a movie with kids. It's Disco High. And it's going to hopefully have some of that naked gymnastics that he was such a fan of. <laughs> but the writers all want to call it Rock and Roll High School. It took a lot to get Corman to move away from disco. In fact, I think they still shot a disco scene between Kate and Tom hmm. uh, to a Blondie song. Oh, yeah. They, to like, a had a disco glass. dance. Yeah. But they cut that scene. So Whitley and Devonch rewrote the script. But Arkish asked them not to change any of the names of the characters so that when Roger would pick up the script, it would, it would still look the same. Huh. And so I, I guess McBride also came up with the character names. So the the two writers, though, Whitley and Devonch, they never met Corman until he arrived on set. That's when they first met him. But they did get all of his notes, which often asked for more nudity, <laughs> which, of course, they didn't show up at all. So that's a little just a, a little view into how the story process ran at New World Pictures. Nice. And so if you look at this movie and go, wow, the, the story wasn't very complete. Well, there you have it. Um, but let's talk about this movie as a springboard. So this is the last New World movie for Joe Dante and Alan Arkish. Dante has done Piranha. Uh, Alan Arkish wanted his movie. He got this. Dante goes on and he does The Howling for Avco Embassy. Arkish directed a couple studio movies including Heart Beeps mm-hmm. for Universal, which was a huge bomb, <laughs> and Get Crazy for Embassy Pictures. They both did not do well. And then he went into a career in TV, including Fame and St. Elsewhere. He directed the Dancing Baby episode of Ally McBeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he actually still directing TV and stuff to this day. He directed episodes of Netflix's A Series of Unfortunate Events. So oh, he's wow. had a very long, illustrious career, mainly doing TV. Gail Ann Hurd and James Cameron were PAs on this film. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Day Young yeah. says that she actually, like, uh, Day she... Young. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. <laughs> you got six points um, here. 
probably. <laughs> that is like that, that wins it. Um, so day she she said that she ran it. She met them at some point, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we used to bring you coffee for Rock and Roll High School." So she was like, "Oh my god, that's ridiculous." John Davison, who worked for New Year World for years, and he's actually instrumental in bringing Joe Dante and Alan Arkish to New World. So he brought them in as trailer editors. He directed second unit on this, as well as Jerry Zucker. And in yeah. fact, Jerry Zucker and David Zucker already had the script for Airplane, and they had talked to John Davison to produce it, which he, he does. He goes on to produce it for them. And he read it, and he was like, I really like it, but I'm doing Piranha right now, and so wait until we're done with that. And so they use this because... They had now no directing experience. So Jerry Zucker's wanted to shoot this. So in particular, I think the scene where they're chasing the hall monitors through the high school at the end, that's actually the second unit directed by Jerry Zucker. So he uses this to launch himself to, to airplane. Wow. Assistant editor Mark Helfrich, he went on to edit movies like Rambo, First Blood Part Two, Predator, and both Jumanji movies. Mm. Uh, assistant mm. editor Kent Beta, he edited Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap mm. and Fright wow. Night. Oh, wow. And recently, the Angry Bird movies. Mm. Oh, wow. Angry Bird. Uh, So so, (laughs) this is just a taste. Like, it's always amazing to look at New World movies and just see, like, the amount of people, like, who are getting their start and starting out. And this one, this is just kind of an insanely, like, huge springboard movie. Certain ones, there's always certain people in there. And some movies, there's just so many people that are launching out of this, out of these movies and, and going on to have these long careers. I, ironically, the one that didn't get a big springboard was the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, uh, Philip, thank you for joining us on this episode. Thank please, you before me. you go, before we go, yeah. please tell us about your book, um, The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Sh- it is a cozy-ish yes. mystery. Um, it is the first uh, in my series of psychic barber mysteries. Um, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about uh, a woman who lives in San Fernando Valley uh, in L.A. And she Heard uh, of it. she works as a hairstylist, um, but she has a secret psychic ability where she can touch people's heads. And normally when they're in the chair, she touches their head and she sees the perfect hairstyle that they want and it helps her out in her job. Uh, but then one day she touches the head uh, of a new customer and she doesn't see a hairstyle. She sees a dead body. And then she uh, is compelled to try to figure out what happened, who did it, and then is led down a crazy uh, web of events that go into the dark underbelly of Los Angeles. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah. And Bel Air, I have to assume. And Bel Air, yes. It does involve Bel Air and mayors. That seedy underbelly. Oh, so um, seedy. That's great. That's terrific. And yeah. so, th- so this is available to buy. Obviously, you could buy it through Amazon, but if people wanted to go somewhere else, yeah, they could probably uh, if they find wanted it's... to say not support Amazon, um, please don't. Uh, you can get it almost anywhere. Um, it, it ebook and paperback. Um, if you go, if you look up, <laughs> so I have a name that is curious to spell, but uh, if you Google <laughs> murderous haircut Philip, you will probably find me because very few Phillips have written a book <laughs> called Murderous Haircut. Um, uh, and you can find the information on my That's website. That's a fun fact. Yeah. It, 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 I accidentally did a good branding. Um, uh, but you can um, you can find my website, uh, philipmodest.com, and I got links there. You can get it on Apple. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can, or you can support local bookstores. Uh, get it at the library. I, that supports me too. It's just a, get it. Just get it, it already. Or just actually yeah. just get it. Just get it. Just get it. 
No, just I mean, if you, if you yeah, like it just yeah. like this show, leave a review, tell people that's fun. And also check out Ramones of the Day podcast oh, yeah. as well, wherever Still podcasts are. It's yeah. just like us. Rate and review. There is plenty of content there yeah. to suit all your Ramones needs. So please get a hold of that too. Philip, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Philip. Thank you for bringing us into the world of rock and roll high school. Of course. Thank you for having me. And uh, and a special congratulations to Mark, who won today. He got seven points. Seven points. I feel special. Recount. But we all did great. I feel like Erica (laughs) sprung to second place, though. Uh, She did. uh, Actually, you're not not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, the day, I'm always second to Mark. Day Young, the Day Young song, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Day Young Yay. really shot you up there. You almost took it. You almost yeah. took it. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna open for for Didi on his rap tour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm his opening act. Oh my! Oh great. Do you have any yeah. experience? No. Great. <laughs> no, no, no experience required. No experience wanted. <laughs> Uh, so like i said like subscribe uh please uh check out both podcasts check out phil's book and we'll see you next time on the new world pictures podcast bye everybody bye it's time to rock it's time to rap it's time for the mashed potato attack the ladies and knock out the homeboy too this ain't the twist or the boogaloo the mashed potato is in the groove it's gonna make your 